0: Welcome to The Real Photo Show. My guests today are Patrice Helmar and John M. O'Toole. And they joined me to talk about Marble Hill Camera Club, which is entering its sixth year. A few years ago, or I don't know, a few decades ago when this pandemic hit, Patrice had to figure out how to keep this much-beloved photography open mic night going. Uh, and after a few iterations and keeping into account Zoom fatigue and all the other things we've all had to deal with, Patrice and John landed on a shorter virtual evening. And of course, John, who is known for Arnbeg Press, creates a lovely zine for each guest, which becomes available to everyone for free. So there's a a nice collection of zines at MarbleHillCameraClub.com for all to access. Uh, So we will talk about the past, present, and future of the Marble Hill Camera Club. And the importance of collaboration and generosity when you are a platform that provides a stage for others. All right, before we get started, The Real Photo Show is sponsored by the Charcoal Book Club, a monthly subscription service for photo book enthusiasts. January's book is On the Night That We Leave by Elisa Resnick. From Berlin to St. Petersburg, passing through Odessa or Italy, the ultimate location of this photo book is The Night. Alisa Resnick crosses it, explores its entrails on a path to meet it in the desert streets and landscapes where few stealth figures creep in, in the pale interiors and where fragile and sometimes ecstatic faces appear. So check out charcoalbookclub.com to become a member or to visit their online shop. And just a quick note, Homecoming 2021 was extended at the JKC Gallery until February 11th. And if you don't know, Homecoming was an open call opportunity for recent photo grads to give them a bit more exposure and maybe to uh, provide some experiences that they may have missed out on during the pandemic. It was a collaboration between Eric Kunzman of Booksmart Studio, Donna Sterling and Yoav Friedlander of Float Photo Magazine, artist Alana Aratom, me at the JKC Gallery, and Fujifilm U.S., who also gave away a camera at the reception, which was really a lot of fun. So if you want to learn more about that show, visit jkcgallery.online. Also visit jkcgallery.online to keep up with our shows and upcoming talks. All right, well, thank you for listening. Enjoy the show, and we will talk soon. Patrice and John, thanks for uh, joining me.
1: Hey, Michael.
0: So I thought this would be a nice time to catch up uh, and to talk about what's been going on with Marble Hill and the collaboration the two of you have been doing. And maybe to discuss, uh, you know, some of the changes and shifts we've made. You know, uh, we spend a lot of time promoting other artists and we've had to... Change the way we do things. Yeah, Patrice, you're the founder of Marble Hill, and John, you created Bag Press. Uh, did I did I say that right? Yeah,
2: Bag, Yeah,
0: not Berg. <laughs> That's right. I uh, I must confess, I've said Berg in my head a few times. Oh, before I forget, uh, thank you, Patrice and John, for having me on Marble Hill to present my work with our good friend Anibal Peyo. Oh yeah,
1: thank you, Michael. Yeah,
2: that was a really fun one.
0: Yes, thank you. And uh, the zine looks great. And uh, I want to talk all about that in the collaboration. But why don't we start with, for those who don't know, what is Marble Hill? What is the Marble Hill Camera and Supper Club?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Well, we are in a sort of unorganized organization. So we're not a nonprofit. We, we're probably, what is it, anti-profit? We probably lose money every year. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can
0: identify with that
1: but we don't really spend money. So I don't know. It's just, it's a, it's a group that's kind of like a show and tell or like an open mic for photographers and artists. And it started in the Bronx in 2016. So gosh, I guess we're going into our, what is it? Sixth year. Is that possible?
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. Cause I remember you saying it was five in May.
1: Yeah. Wow. And uh, we've had over 200, uh, artists present it's been pretty incredible and selfishly like i started it in my living room just so all of the people whose work i was interested in would just come to my house yeah. and it was a pretty good plan i think it i think it's worked out pretty well
0: oh absolutely and yeah i remember um it was also you know we used to call it a supper club because it there was uh, people used to bring their own dishes or cook in the kitchen
1: yeah we had this fabulous kitchen and uh I grew up in a pretty big family. My mom has eight brothers and sisters. So I think I had that gene of being able to cook for like an army of people <laughs> laying dormant in me somewhere. And the supper club aspect really showed me that I maybe been training for that my whole life where I would just pump out food. And at, at a certain point we had, gosh, I think nearly like, 50 or 60 people show up a couple times, which was pretty wild, yeah. but, but really fun, you know, and we'd make beautiful food. And if people, you know, if younger folks didn't know how to cook, they could come up to the house early and learn how to make, I don't know, was mostly like very affordable, like lentils or bean soup or, you know, whatever bring it. kind of
0: scrounge up or bring alcohol, which is what I always did. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right right yes that works that worked too yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah and i remember uh um before we uh, shut down you had then moved to the social club the german social club and i'm blanking on the name got uh, Gotcher,
1: hall. Gotcher
0: yeah. hall yes and food was still a big part of it
1: yeah although i think like mo- it was more bar food it took yeah. a lot of pressure off me it made <laughs> it the event so much easier and at that point, when we moved to Queens and we weren't in this big, huge sort of like um, non-New York house, my roommates kind of had a talk with me and they're like, hey, it was really fun when we had this big living room and this kitchen, but uh-huh. uh, you got to find a venue because <laughs> there was like somebody sleeping in my bed that I didn't know, or, you know, just like it got, <laughs> it just got to be too big for a domestic space.
0: Really. Yeah. Yep. Yep.
1: And and John, why don't give us
0: a little background on, on Arm Bag. How did that start? When did that start? I think it was
2: 2012. Uh, yeah, it was fall 2012. Yeah. That started out of me graduating college in 2011 and wanting to start something. Because mm-hmm. I was obsessed with books and I wanted to start like a publishing practice. And it's morphed and changed for several years now. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So it's, it's always just kind of like a big experiment lab. I
0: think, right. I think I think the first time I saw something from Arnbeg, it was um, kind of like foldouts, right?
2: Yeah, the yeah. interleaves. So that That's was it. the main project for a long time. It's um, 151 different artists in these basically 11 by 17 posters that are folded down three sizes to be around like five by seven. Mm-hmm. Um, that was fun, but. Printing that, it just got to really tiring after a while. <laughs> <lot. laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Armbag
0: has always been kind of inventive in that way, right? Like, I think one of your main goals is to answer the question or ask the question what a book is,
2: right? Yeah, so it's like however you end up viewing a book. So, you know, that's why I think the online zines collaborating with Patrice and doing has it, been a real fun different aspect of questioning like oh does a book even need to be printed or is he need even need to be printed
0: right and did the idea of collaborating with others did that start with net 1.0 was that part of the yeah, idea the, net,
2: the nets were the first like collaboration thing that i did for Orenbeg. and having different like guest curators for that was always like interesting because i would see all the submissions come in but then pass everything along to those people and Everything would just come back, and then I just have to upload it. And mm-hmm. that was like fun because it's like a surprise for me too. Right. Um, that's one of my things I love about reaching out to people, asking them to make something, or having someone guest curate something. It's I don't have to worry about it as much, so it's kind of just like waiting to see what comes back.
0: Right. Yeah. And and you did a, a Net 2.0, and Patrice, you actually collaborated in Net 2.0, right?
1: Yeah, I think that's actually probably when john and i got to know each other a little better working on that project and i just realized what a great editor john is um because we put that scene together and we talked about like what should you know what photo goes where what comes next and i think i realized that we work in a really similar way which is like thinking about you know the narrative structure or even thinking about uh the photos like music right like yeah, and I think from there, just felt like I could really, like, kind of a kinship with John. That there was like an inner, like, a really cool relational way that we we worked as editors. Maybe a, a different photo practice, but um, a similar philosophy on bringing people together and and then like formatting that.
0: Right, and that was called uh, "I'd Rather Go Blind," from. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Edda James song, right? I'd rather go. by yeah. And each of these exhibitions, and and they're 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 kind of a combination exhibition PDF zine, right? Is that fair to describe them that way?
2: Yeah, that's uh, what it was for the time. Yeah. And then that evolved into uh et cetera shows, which is just online, and then I print out the images and hang them on the window at my office. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's yeah. great. That's amazing. Yeah. And, that, and are they all group exhibitions, typically? Yeah,
2: it's all it's all group exhibitions usually. It kind of depends on you know like what for people to take time to submit work and stuff. Um, yeah, there's always like a prompt for an open call, and I always make the prompts intentionally vague so anyone could you know kind of figure out what they think like goes with that kind of prompt. Yeah, and I
0: think that's where the you and Patrice have similarities. It's the openness mm. of the call. Uh, you know, Marble Hill used to be an all-night affair with, you know, six artists or what, you know, five, you know, and <laughs> and of course that got harder to do over Zoom because it was being as we all have learned, being on Zoom can be exhausting. Yeah. But but that openness, the idea of varied uh diverse voices, right? I think I think there's a lot of overlap between what Begg was doing, what Marble Hill was doing, and also the business model of not making money.
1: <laughs> not, I'd like to clarify, not having money and not making money. Right. Okay?
2: You know, yeah.
1: <laughs> Important tenants.
2: Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So I can I I can see how the the collaboration would would come together. Would you find each other in that way? So then let's you know let, let's talk about what what you, the two of you have been doing for the past. What is it? Two years now or a year and a half with the the zines and the guests? A year right? About
1: yeah. a year. It's been about, about a year.
0: Yeah. 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 So you know who approached whom? If that's I don't even know if that's grammatically correct. Uh, <laughs> how did it start?
1: I think I probably asked John. I have started to have like a day, uh, you know. I teach at Pratt. I've taught at Pratt since I graduated in twenty fifteen. Been really lucky to be there and uh, spend, you know, a lot of my time there with John or you know other techs or you know in the dark in the dark room traditionally, and that has kind of translated into being there like one day a week to just work on my own work in the labs, you know, scanning film or doing whatever, uh, with resources that I don't have at home. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So John and I just, you know, got to hang out a lot in the lab and, you know, I think, gosh, I don't even really remember how it happened, John, but I think just things shut down and it was really weird. And I was like trying to figure out if I was going to stop doing marble Hill or continue to do it. And I think, you, we, yeah, do you remember?
2: Yeah, you had the idea to do have everyone show like one photo, right? And then a song and a poem. Um, and you said, oh, let's make like a zine for this one just to see how it goes. It was like a test drive for Marble Hill Online.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think it it was and is a weird time. And I just thought that something had to change with the format of it. Like you said, it was even in its physical form, a really long situation where you'd be hanging out for like four hours, five hours, sometimes looking at work. And not everybody is that into looking at photographs. I mean, I was like, I'm a nerd, so I was thrilled, but (laughs) it was, uh, you know, you were putting in a shift really. Um, And so it felt like, I think there's a lot of Zoom fatigue. Like, we're just tired of being online. And I thought, like, we either just have to have one or two people do this or just totally change the format of it because it doesn't work like an in person event where you can talk to other people or go get a beer yeah. or
0: have in between uh, impromptu dances and music playing
1: <laughs> or Titanic uh, themed photo shoots. Right. <laughs> So it felt like a really good time to change, like change was necessary. Otherwise, the project wouldn't continue. You
2: mm. know?
0: Yeah. Well, um, and you're, John, you're full time at Pratt? Yep.
2: yep. Full time. Yeah.
0: What do you, what exactly do you do at Pratt?
2: <laughs> I'm the digital imaging technician. Oh, okay. So basically I'm the main point person for our four digital labs mm-hmm. uh, down here in our building.
0: Yeah. And Patrice, I didn't realize you had been there that long, since you graduated. Are you yeah. what they call a like a, a vested adjunct, a, <laughs> a full time adjunct? I don't know how they I don't know how they do it at Pratt.
1: I might be. I'm not sure. I, <laughs> um, I just went through sort of my first big review. Like, I just qualified to apply for a step up. Oh, good. So we'll see. But I'm I'm hopeful, uh, because I've certainly been there for a while, and I really. I don't know. It feels like my home base now. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It just has such a cool history, right? Like Pratt photo. Um, Oh
0: my God. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: And uh, I felt really lucky to have that job and, you know, to kind of like, you know, to continue that and have that as sort of like a, I don't know, there's just such a cool lineage, right. Or such a cool history of that.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, thinking about someday uh, being in person again. (laughs) How do you envision, you know, Marble Hill in the next year, the next two years?
1: I don't know. John, do you want to take a crack at that? And maybe then I'll share my...
2: Um, I don't know. I'd say we still won't be in person for another year, Mm. at least.
0: Uh, Yeah, mm -hmm. it certainly seems like Uh, that now. Yeah.
2: Or like for people to feel comfortable in that kind of space. Maybe it's like doing some... Being, maybe doing like Marble Hill outdoors. That would be kind of interesting,
0: I think. Yep. Definitely a warmer weather event.
1: <laughs> I think one of the cool things that's happened is that in some ways being online has meant we're more accessible to Absolutely. people that weren't, weren't able to come.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so, you know, like, for example, we've had uh, photographers from pretty much all over the world now. I don't know if world is maybe a big world, but word, but definitely all over the country, be able to present. And, you know, like our audience, I think is really happy to be able to like, Oh, I'm in California. I never was able to come to this. And now I can come to the meetings. So yeah, that, that has been really cool. Like that That, accessibility.
0: That's been my takeaway from the JKC gallery with, especially with the third Thursday's artist talks, you know, actually this month we have someone from Paris and, and someone from Trenton, you know, so and teaching. I don't know how you all feel about this, but I'm, I'm actually going to keep teaching in a hybrid mode. I'm going to, I'm always going to have a, a camera set up at the teaching station. And, you know, when students uh, can't get here, if conflicts with other schedules, um, taking care of a kid at home, anything like that, you know, I'm going to let them just dial in whenever it's, you know, lecture day, you know, or, even, you know, for digital photo, even if it's critique day um, you know, they can be remote. And I think that's, that's going to take a little more practice. I d- I've been doing that for two semesters now and, and my brain is still split in two, you know, like I forget there are people in the room sometimes and I forget there are people online sometimes. And you know, that it, it, uh, it definitely is a, when I say my brain is split in two, I really like feel it. Like, <laughs> I feel like I'm like being pulled in two different directions. Uh, but yeah, that's a big takeaway for me. I want to, I'm actually want to keep, I, I actually want to keep doing that.
1: Yeah. I John has been kind of being tech support for me this last term. Mm-hmm. We have this MacGyvered. Wait, <laughs> what do we what do what do we even call it,
2: John? Uh, uh we call it the kaiju.
1: <laughs> what is <laughs> it?
2: <laughs> it's like this yeah. giant double monitor thing that uh our IT department made. But and it's just way way too overbuilt. <laughs> Two, like, 27-inch screens a camera and a Bluetooth (laughs) Bluetooth keyboard. You need two people to, like, make sure it doesn't, like, hit anything to go through the doorway.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like, I feel like I'm reasonably tech-savvy, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not totally in the dark, but I never quite figured this thing out. I think I did pretty well, John, but sometimes I'd just be – I'd have to, like, call John on the phone and be like, I – don't know what's at like the microphone's not working or just, it had so many idiosyncrasies.
0: Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. No, it, it, there's definitely been a steep learning curve and yeah. Trying to be in the classroom and online at the same time. Yeah. Um, before we, we get away too, too far from what you all do in terms of, you know, Marble Hill and armbag in seeing how things were and how things are now, what would you take forward with that? You know, hybrid mode, we talked a little bit about, but more guests, less guests. Um John, will you ever go back to uh physical printing?
2: <laughs> I do still still do physical printing. I just oh, good. did uh, Foley Gallery had a zine fair during the summer and did a few like random zines of myself uh of my own work for that. Oh good. Along with like the Orambeg like back catalog.
1: Yeah, I think physical printing is I mean, I used to do zines in the really early 2000s as like a young kid, and, you know, I still print in the dark room. And so having a physical object, having a book or a zine is really important. I think the reason that we have done these zines online is sort of a reaction to the commodification of the zine in the art world as the sort of fetishized, very expensive thing, uh-huh. where, right, it used to be a way to, um, be be generous or share work, or to kind of like respond to the world in a countercultural way where you know you could share ideas for a dollar or two dollars. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, there's inflation, but I don't think a Xeroxed or you know very simple inkjet bound book should ever cost like forty dollars, right? right? So we wanted you know, people without a ton of money to be able to look at work, to use it as an education resource, people in school. I mean, you know, there was never a time in my life in secondary education where I wasn't working like part-time or full-time job. So, you know, it's like, I just kept that in mind as experience of being at a book fair, right? Like the PS1 book fair and being like, oh man, it'd be awesome to buy this, you know, fill in the blank book, but yeah. like, I don't even have enough money to pay rent or whatever. I need to get additional loans or... So just trying to keep it like, keep that spirit of like, this should be accessible or people should be able to like, look at work and know what's happening. Um So I like to keep that going as much as we can. If, you know, if the photographers are open to that.
0: Right. And and I think it's it's a fair deal it you know i i don't think it's a an unfair ask to ask to ask something of the guest as well i would love it if you know guests when i have in the show they do uh you know a a bit of work promoting their episode at least (laughs) when they're on the show and and i don't think it's unfair to ask someone to share their work uh when they're on marble hill you know I don't think I I'm guessing you haven't had too many too much pushback with something like that. I think there's an understanding of generosity with what we do for the most part. Yeah.
1: I think so. Yeah, and I think that we're asking people that we know that would be interested in that kind of collaboration or you know maybe they're also teaching or mm-hmm. um they kind of know, you know, what Marble Hill and and what Warren Bag is, right? That we're not um I'm not a nonprofit. John is in a huge publishing house. Like mm-hmm. we're just we're two people without a budget,
2: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like making stuff and sharing people's work.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. In in terms of the the collaboration, how has that affected what you both do, if at all?
2: Uh, I don't know. I like our collaboration. It's it, to me. It's something I look forward to every month.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess for you, John, the the idea of collaboration on your zines has been around a while right
2: yeah but that's like a different i don't know when i'm doing like an orenbeck thing i kind of put like my orenbeck hat Mm -hmm. on i think a certain way and this is just more me me collaborating with patrice and playing with other people's pictures and seeing what comes of it
1: yeah i think it's
0: our collaboration is really easygoing i don't know has it has it changed the way you think about the the show
1: i mean i it's kind of like if you I don't know. It's less lonely. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I look forward to working with John. It's just not always my own thing. I consider like inviting people that I know that John would be more interested in too. So I think it's expanded my sort of like curatorial perspective or which is cool, but the main thing, the way to keep the sustainable has been that it's not a huge pain in the neck, you know, (laughs) that I'm working with somebody that's as easygoing as I am about stuff and just like patient and kind and cool and just knows the deal, right. That it's not, I don't know, that it's about the work and the people that we invite and that it's not so much about who we are, that it's just about like um, getting things out into the world that deserve to be seen. Right. Like, in December, when you and Aníbal presented, it just felt like such a great way to cap off the year because I've been so excited about your work, Michael, you know, that beautiful color work from the 90s that everybody should see. Right. And, <laughs> Thanks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like so incredible. And so getting excited about that and then being able to share that with John, who I know is also like a photographer's photographer, being like, you're not going to believe this work, this, you know, (laughs) that we have this month and then getting to nerd out about that. Right. And like sequence things and like show John and Ebel's work and have Mm -hmm. him meet both of you sort of feels like if just like in introducing good friends to one another, you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: absolutely. The other thing about that is there's a lot of letting go on both of your ends after you invite the guest, right? So I, I imagine you collaborate on you know, choosing guests and selecting guests. And and then you don't really know what you're going to get <laughs> after you ask the guest, right? I mean, you have some idea, but you do you do leave it open to what would you like to show, right? You know, in my case, you know, because I'm going back through the, the catalog, um, it could have been a variety of things or it could have been, you know, last year's work. And so when it comes time, John, also for... for editing and organizing and putting the zine together you're you're responding to something you you just found out right something you just saw
2: yeah i mean i think that's one of my favorite things about marble hill is it being such an open place for people to kind of show whatever they would like to show and then for me it's always cool to get that like sneak peek that sneak peek before the the Mm -hmm. actual like talks to see what the work is and get an idea of it and then hearing the person speak like a few days later about it changes my whole perspective of how i approach the zine and looking at the work after that
0: and there's always risk right patrice with <laughs> what you're gonna get and what people might say and
1: yeah yeah i think it's like you know it's funny to see people you know when we were more in person sometimes yeah, a couple times i'd have presenters that really you don't know what's going to happen. You know what they're going to say about the work. You don't know what people are going to show. And like, you know, I'm not a cop. I'm not there to police <laughs> somebody's project or speak for them. Like, you know, if you take a photograph, you're responsible for that. That's your work. That's your thing. But yeah, there've been at least two or three times where people have been really offended by work or thought like, oh, why the hell did you invite this person? You know, even like you know, in an extreme case, maybe just thought, like, I was a I was a jerk and, you know, s- stopped coming to the event. I mean, that's pretty mm. rare. I think that only happened maybe once. Um, but, right, like, people are going to get offended at things no matter what. So, yeah, you don't know what's going to happen. But really, I just want to see what people are up to. And I think it's, like, been hugely rewarding in the fact that, like, I feel like I know, Ton about what people are making right now, mm. and I wouldn't, I wouldn't have that knowledge if I wasn't doing this work. Yeah,
0: no, and that's the beauty of it. I mean, you could, you could be in in one evening's event. You can have someone who kind of who thinks of it as performance art, and there's a it's a whole thing set up, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, and then you could have someone comes from the, the maybe a an older modernist tradition who doesn't like to talk about their work and they get even a little defensive talking about their work. Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's a really interesting mix. Yeah.
1: But like, we should be open to that. I think mm-hmm. having this, you know, having this sort of like uh, these cliques or these groups that are not accepting of other kinds of work is really, it's not a good, you know, it's not a good look as an educator to be uh, exclusive, right? Like you can only make, Yeah. <laughs> color work that's three feet by six feet and or whatever or you hmm, know you have are to be you a thinking viddie. of
0: no <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'm gonna get myself
0: in trouble or you know no, like there's a lot of that there uh, <laughs> you know
1: you got to be a video artist or it's like yeah. you can do whatever the heck you want to do is it interesting right like mm-hmm. what is it about i'm curious i want to know what it is so that i can be um i don't know i want to I want to know what's going on. I want to be, you know, yeah. informed. And I feel like smart people should be more open to things and less closed yeah. down.
0: To so things. Patrice, I didn't know you before grad school and John, I, I don't know you that well at all, to be honest. <laughs> We've <only laughs> talked a few times, but <laughs> as I, for myself, as, as I've gotten older and I've been teaching for 20 years now, I'm fortunate. I, I don't know what the word is. I'm I've worked towards being less dogmatic because I felt it. I felt the walls closing in, teaching, teach, showing the same photographers, the same work, the same, you know, because you're learning in those first five years, you're so busy with other aspects of keeping up with technology, keeping up with all these other things that you forget that you're just showing the same work over and over again. And it's, it's through the faces of my students that I realized some of this work doesn't represent who these students are. And that's when I, I made a conscious effort to say, i, I got to stop showing this body of work. I've got to stop showing these three photographers for a while. I, I need to put them on the shelf for a while. And that's been a huge change in the way I've taught in the last 10, 15 years. And it's been great for me because I'm always looking for new work. I'm always looking for new things to show. I'm always looking for new books to show. And so, I don't know, Patrice, has, has that something you, you've grown into or you always somewhat anti-dogmatic
1: oh wow yeah i mean i don't know i i come from the middle of nowhere right (laughs) so hard to say if i knew what the dogma was 10 years ago i mean i did but yeah i think like the canon is important it's important to know what comes before us right but it's like it's also important to know that there's like so much work that we don't know about mm-hmm. that's like for, vernacular photography that was happening at the same time or like why certain folks were making work that we don't know about. Right. Um, so yeah, I think it's like good to can to continue to show work that's imp- that we feel is important, but also like, I think part of the reason that I started Marble Hill was just so I can continue my education mm-hmm. and to not, you know, um, uh, I think it was a real response to grad school, the feeling of being in a place that was really privileged and felt very exclusive, exclusionary of a lot of people. And knowing as an artist that came from, you know, a real working class background, that there's a lot of people that make work that never get the opportunity to show it or get an opportunity to really devote their lives to just making photos or painting or whatever that are working a day job. Right. And then painting when they're off work or when they're not taking care of their kids or whatever. So, you know, I'm taking this answer on a real wild ride here, but um, (laughs) yeah, I don't think I can afford to be on any one team. Like I have to be open to all different kinds of work and looking at things from a non-elitist point of view, right? So it's not just photographers that come from Ivy League schools that present at Marble Hill or artists that have Guggenheims or have had shows at MoMA. It's like also self-taught artists and people like living in small towns in New Jersey or, you know, artists. And where was it that Trent is from? uh, Trent Bozeman, who's going to school.
2: He's in Arkansas.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, John? Am I maybe save me from this rant?
2: <laughs> I, Coffee think kicked in. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I think it is very important to be open. I like, think more and more society now is that way, or at least a lot of people move in that way, especially in, I think photo now compared to a few years ago is much more, uh, like I'm gonna make up a word and say like, like wibbly, wobbly, inter something. I don't know. Photo's just kinda like a larger term now with all these many different umbrellas under it. It's like oh you're a photographer using text or you're just a photographer who's doing non silver processes now or something. Like it's always photo photo plus or photo colon. And you know,
0: where you're teaching uh can make a big difference too in the direction of the program, the stewardship of the program, um, and so my point is, you know, we're we're in academia, the three of us, and we have real influence on what is being shown in the classroom. I think it's, uh, yeah, it's incumbent upon uh, us to keep expanding the canon of photography, right?
1: Yeah, I think also, though, I should say, like, I'm very devoted to the practice. I think a better word for practice is work that I'm continuing, that I learned as a kid from my dad, right? Mm-hmm. There's this idea that like the craftsmanship and the time ability, everything that it takes to make a real print and to like continue the tradition of, you know, photography in the dark room and printmaking. And, you know, in some ways it feels like that is, a cooler thing to do nowadays, but also like that it's shrinking where there are less and less professors that actually print in the dark room or know what that means. And so I would feel remiss if I didn't say that that's like my part of my mission statement is to continue that tradition or like that that's part of my something that I feel responsible for as like like coming from the family that I come from or like also coming from the photographic lineage that I come from, like as part of right. um, being, you know, in some ways privileged to have gone to a school that really emphasized that tradition, right? Um, mm-hmm. But it's important, like it's important that we know what a silver print looks like, that we know mm-hmm. what, why it's important. And um, I don't know, I've I felt sad about it since like 2001, 2002, when my dad passed away, that it's just that we've gone this other direction in the last like 20 years and that we're losing touch with like the physicality of photography. That's also like a reason that I'm teaching, right? Um, it certainly isn't for the money, right? It's like, <laughs> um, I, because I still want people to know what that looks like and what it feels like and just like how beautiful and important it is. Yeah, and you know, I- I teach black
0: and white photo. I teach digital photo. I love it all. I embrace it all. I use it all, and I'm not being romantic though when I say there is something special about students being in the darkroom together that builds community.
2: I, I would say even in a digital lab you have that same community. I, I witness it like all the time, and I witnessed it starting again this past year, this past fall semester for the first time in like a year and a half. And it was something I desperately missed. So.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's easier for students to form this community in the darkroom and interact with each other. And because they're, they're constantly walking by each other, next to each other, looking at each other's work as they walk out of the darkroom into the light. And they kind of get excited with the that sort of magic that happens at the very beginning when they all see their first prints and they celebrate together. Yeah. And I think in the, in the digital lab, you have to work at that a little bit more, like provide opportunities for them to sort of pull back, help each other, share work with each other.
1: I think so. I mean, I'd like to say this about John that, John, you're an awesome teacher, you know, and you're you're in the lab as a tech, but you're constantly teaching. You know, I've seen that because I've been there one day a week, just working on my own things and learning stuff from John to filling in the blanks on my digital <laughs> photo education or lack thereof. But, like, you create that, right? That that's something that you learn, something I learned in my master's in education, that, like, a big part of being a teacher is creating a classroom community, which mm-hmm. is, like, an over overused word at this point, community, right? Totally, yeah. But, like, do people feel comfortable? Do people want to hang out? Do people feel comfortable asking questions or, like, and I would say that, yeah, John, you've really done that. You've, like, created a place where people want to spend time and want to, like... Yeah feel really comfortable being like, oh, I don't know how to use this printer to help me,
2: you know? (laughs) I mean, I think you do the same too when you're teaching because when um, you're like, oh, yeah, my class is full, I'm like, yeah, all the students are like, hear your bio Patrice, and they're like, oh, yeah, I want to take Patrice's class.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How is enrollment at Pratt? I know know enrollment at Mercer is is way down. You know, my classes are probably two-thirds the enrollment they used to be
2: right now. How are you all doing?
1: I think we're okay, right?
2: It's still, A the bit down? Of, it's still the same amount of courses that are running. Oh, that's good. Our senior class is like 42 students this semester because of all the people that took academic leave um, the first year.
0: Oh, there. okay. Oh, so they're coming back now. Uh, oh, that's great. So uh, what do we have coming up? Uh, John what have you been working on
2: personally or Uh, I've been scanning all my pictures from like sixth grade that's what I've been doing I (laughs) I saw that
0: (laughs) I saw that uh, is there a larger project that you're working your way through
2: I'm just kind of digitizing everything from then and then kind of treat it sort of like how I always end up treating like bound photographs Mm and just kind of play around the sequence and see what happens oh
0: okay I mean, a big part of your your work has been heritage, right?
2: Yeah, that's always this kind of heritage, this idea of home, this idea of like longing for something. Mm-hmm. Um, and scanning all this old stuff is helping with that, shooting some new stuff, but I'm not really sure what it is yet. Yeah, and then Orenbeg will have uh, the most recent Etcetera show like online a week
0: or so. Oh, okay, and is the yeah. website the best place to see that? Yeah. So it's armbegpress.com. dot com. Yeah. Is is Pratt having any kind of delayed in person start or anything like that, or is how's it yeah. how's it going? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah. When do we begin? First, is it first week of February?
0: Yeah, uh, Jan thirty first, I think. Are you starting remote, or are you just waiting to start the semester?
2: We're remote the first two weeks, oh, okay. like everyone else, really. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm
0: yeah Uh, and then patrice what what is marigold i just saw your website
1: yeah um well you know this wild thing happened to me where i had been teaching at fordham which was awesome Mm -hmm. and was really using that dark room to pump out all of my processing and print work prints and contact sheets and everything and when the pandemic first happened in march of 2020 things shut down so quickly that my i had about over 100 rolls of film was it john something wild
2: that were uh, locked
1: in this locker at fordham oh right? wow really that like i didn't have access to and i was what? just like <laughs> yeah it it was just wild i mean i was you know i went back to alaska because i lived with roommates and you know this whole rigmarole but uh, basically, since I've been back in New York since this fall, just been going through all of those photographs, you know, all the all that film, getting it processed thanks to our buddy Jesse Chan and then like scanning uh, religiously mm. every week with John at, at Pratt. And um, so, yeah, the, the Marigold work is made. I mean, some of that film is from like 2019, I think. But yeah, it was weird. It's been weird to look at stuff that that's it's that old, right? Yeah. It's like two years old at this point, point. Mm. and um, so it's a combination of that, and then a lot of uh, large format work that I did in Alaska, like self portraits and landscapes and stuff.
0: Oh, mm. okay. And you mm-hmm. actually had two installations during the pandemic, right? Adam and Eve were astronauts, and <laughs> yeah. what was the other one? Was it this nettle?
1: Oh, the nettle danger. Yeah. So I work with this awesome gallery, GA Gallery, um, actually based in Germany in Provincetown. And luckily, uh, the sort of head gallerist or the gallery director, Bettina Rosarius, asked me to do like two solo exhibitions or projects sort of in the middle of
0: mm-hmm.
1: everything in 2020, 2021. And that kept me really busy, which was yeah. great. Um, and then I also did a show with Fordham, but it was like virtual, right? So yeah, I, I kept busy, even though <laughs> at least one of those exhibitions was online. Um, mm-hmm. And then just I've been in sort of work mode this fall, yeah. this just processing negatives, like d- uh, dusting negatives now, mm-hmm. right? We, we all know how that goes. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: It's so funny. I think your your kind of um, laid back personality betrays or belies how hard you're always working. I don't, you know, because I remember even at the very start of the pandemic, as soon as we shut down, you were inviting people to walk up to your 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 front gate and take portraits of them.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I can't. I can't really stop. I mean, which is maybe not always a good thing, but um, yeah, I think. It got hard being in Alaska and like trying to make work in a similar mm-hmm. way. Where I just miss being around people or miss like being on the street or whatever. And yeah, painted myself into a wall where I was like, well, I guess I got to do self portraits now because <laughs> there's no really nobody else around to photograph here. You know?
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's been a a, a weird journey. <laughs> <This> <laughs> last few years, a couple of years. Yeah. yeah, Yep. for all of us. Uh, mm-hmm. Well. Thank you both.
1: Yeah, thanks, Michael. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Thank you, Michael. And uh, we'll all talk soon, right? Or see each other Mm. uh, online somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. Bye, (laughs) Bye, everyone. Meet in a vacant parking lot. Yeah. (laughs) Meet you in a vacant parking lot. Sounds like a future pandemic anthem. (laughs) Real Photo Show with Michael Chauvin-Dalton is a production of Real Photo Show, which you can listen to on all your favorite podcast platforms. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, and be sure to subscribe on any one of those services or wherever you listen to podcasts.